Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode two of the 10th series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. We're in the midst of the biggest global pandemic for a century. Combine that with social unrest and economic crisis, and at the same time, rapid business transformation, then the role of the HR function has never been so important. One company where HR has really come to the fore during the crisis is Bayer. My guest on this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast is Melissa Harper, Senior Vice President for HR Innovations at Bayer. With more than 30 years of HR experience, Melissa has been at the forefront of Bayer's response to the crises of 2020 and efforts to redefine the workplace around purpose, innovation and culture. In our conversation, Melissa and I discuss why Bayer's people-first philosophy has been critical to the company's response to the crisis and its efforts to redefine the workplace of the future. We look at how Bayer is incorporating some of the positives that have emerged in 2020, such as faster, more distributed decision-making and increased employee listening to enhance its innovative culture. We look at Bayer's approach to inclusion and diversity and how this is premised on taking action on the talent challenges that arise. We look at how digital analytics and culture provide the connective tissue around the workforce of the company. And we also look at what HR can do to prepare their organization for an increase in remote and hybrid working. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested or involved in inclusion and diversity, culture, employee experience, and innovation. So that's business leaders, CHROs, and anyone in a people analytics, workforce planning, IND or HR business partner role. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for series 10 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Panelit bridges the people data gap, enabling real-time uniform access to relevant people data, reports and insights for CXOs, HR and business managers. People data, including employee interactions and connections, is combined with business data, catalyzing new insights and intelligence. Predictive analytics moves the business from reactive to proactive, identifying correlations and points of intervention. The people-enhanced data movement empowers businesses to leapfrog to data-driven decision-making, eliminating bias and improving engagement, sales effectiveness, productivity, and as a result, business performance. Headquartered in Singapore, the company has a global footprint of clients, as well as a diverse team and cultural perspective. You can find out more by visiting panalit.com. That's P-A-N-A-L-Y-T.com. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Melissa Harper, Senior Vice President for Human Resources Innovations at Bayer, uh, to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. It's great to have you on the show, Melissa. Can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to your background and role at Bayer? It's great to be here, David. Thank you. So Melissa Harper, I lead a team in HR innovations at Bayer. Bayer is a global company, 150-year-old history in life sciences uh, in the fields of healthcare and agriculture. Uh, Our products may be familiar to many around the world, including aspirin. But in each of our uh, businesses, we are advancing our own digital journey, and that is a digital transformation across how we reach our customers, but also how we operate. When we think about um, we're in over 90 countries around the world, 100,000 employees doing this great work across each of our uh, three divisions. 
you know, we believe that we can provide value for our customers through the use of digital solutions. So, for example, whether that's in our crop science division, uh, we're providing farmers and growers with insights to reduce their inputs uh, and environmental impact. Uh, in our consumer health business, we're using digital tools to help inform customers and aid them in making better self-care, day-to-day decisions. And in our pharmaceutical division, uh, we're exploring how digital tools can better help patients manage certain diseases. So while we're doing that, um, also a little bit about our function and how we're partnering with our company. So HR Innovations, that evolved as part of our evolving and transforming business in a digital direction. We took the opportunity to take a look at how can HR um, better connect people, culture, um, to driving business impact. So this team that we call HR Innovations is really about bringing expert perspectives um, across a wide range of topics from well-being, total reward, to inclusion and diversity, to learning, um, and contract workforce, looking at modern ways of accessing skills. And so this team is uh, always balancing how are we, what do we need to do in the here and now um, and improve or what we call fix the basics. We all have that balance of continuous process improvement with also a balance of a look to the future. You know, what are the things out there to drive our business that they don't know yet that we need to be paying attention to? So proud to work with this team. And it's an, an exciting time for HR in many respects, I think. You know, there's there's been reports published in the sort of last few weeks from by Accenture and IBM talking about HR 3.0 or how HR is really starting to drive better outcomes in the business, but also better, better outcomes from the workforce as well. And I know um, with that remit that you've got there, Melissa, you're kind of at the cutting edge of that, I guess, in Bayer, in, in what you're leading there in the innovation side and using data maybe better than, than, than HR has traditionally used data in the past. And as you said, transforming from a digital perspective as well. So obviously, 2020 has been quite a year, I think it's probably fair to say. Can you tell us a bit about the lessons that you've learned at Bayer this year? You've got a very interesting stance, I think, on the opportunities and positive cultural change that has happened and can and should be carried forward. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know our listeners will will enjoy hearing that. Yeah, no, thank you for that question. Sure, a lot to uh, have learned this year in the moment. You know, we launched uh, a sprint team earlier this year to really capture the many positive lessons um, that are still evolving, but certainly that we learned as we have worked through um, really what I characterize as a couple of pandemics this year, both COVID and uh, our social uh, unrest around the world. So we brought this team together to um, make sure we carry the good lessons forward in our culture. And I think they center our key lessons learned, or at least for me, center on a few core things. One is flexibility. You know, this way of working has only accelerated so much of uh, what many organizations were already striving for, right? Greater uh, digital use and way of working, greater flexibility. So flexibility is for everyone. And so at Bear, uh, we address some of the world's most pressing global challenges and continue to develop new solutions 
which require working in a variety of ways. So enabling that flexibility really means that we're enabling leaders to talk to and listen to our employees differently and helping to understand at that individual level, what does flexibility really mean? The second would be, you know, this is a lesson learned about bringing work to talent and not talent to work. So not just the traditional ways of how we thought about either mobility, relocation, or how we access talent internally or externally. So why not think about, you know, also bringing work to where the skills are. So I think that's a key learning as well. The third, David, would really be about trust and empowerment of our employees. Um, You know, we trust our employees and empower decision-making. We saw a great lesson learned in the way of working this year that decision-making is happening at more of the local um, community level. You know, when we think about our uh, way of working now and forevermore, you know, everything that happens in our communities finds its way to the workplace, even if it's a virtual workplace. So we need to make sure that we uh, take care of um, the, the listening and empowering our employees to bring voice. And I think the final thing, thing around some of our key lessons learned is, you know, reward and recognize performance, not presence. Uh, and that's a huge differentiator and distinction. You know, our leaders yeah. enable employees to work in a much more agile way, much more use of digital tools. Um, and, you know, we also need to be mindful to, yes, be ever more visible in how we are modeling our work, but it's about the performance, not presence. I think one of the great quotes uh, I've heard throughout this year is, Zoom often, but not always. There's <laughs> <laughs> certainly been a, an increase in the use of Zoom and other similar platforms. It's incredible, really. Yeah, I mean, it's some great lessons there. I mean, we could probably talk about a lot around that. I love the thing, talk about trust and empowerment. I think I mentioned that Accenture study. It really brings out that importance of trust and gaining that trust of, because uh, it's for leaders to gain trust, I think, rather than the other way around, leaders to gain trust of the, the workforce and the actual positive rewards that that can actually bring the organization as well, as well as it actually being the right thing to do. So you, you talked about listening and empowerment. What are some of the some of the things that you're doing around that at those areas? Yeah, you know, we're evolving our um, organizational listening approach and really kind of taking that older mm-hmm. traditional way of, um, you know, key triggers of events or times in your cycle that you go out and survey but really evolving organizational listening is what we're calling that in a much more modern way that we can gain um, in the moment feedback and input uh, from our workforce. And I think that will have a huge differentiating feature of being able to just understand the health and pulse and culture and be able to, again, quickly flex and move as we need to versus waiting on um, the older version of triggered events for an organization survey. And I think, as you said, because the crises, and you're right to say the twin crises of, of 2020, because they've evolved so quickly and so unpredictably, and let's be honest, they're still ongoing and, and will be for the foreseeable future, it seems. You know, things are happening so fast. It's important to be listening, as you said, on a continuous basis with our workers to understand how they're feeling, how that's changing and evolving during the crisis. And then 
as leaders so that we can respond and communicate to that. And, and it sounds like that's the kind of approach that you've been taking. I also know that you're using analytics. So I'd be interested in understanding how you're using analytics and some other HR innovations to to understand the shifts that we've been talking about, those four shifts, those four lessons that you spoke about and, and carrying those changes forward into whatever the, the future holds. So, you know, a few things here. I think that the use of digital tools and automation are, you know, of course, seen as potential areas to offer more flexibility for our employees, better uh, insights that we can, you know, quickly again adapt and adjust. So, some specific examples of our product supply teams are implementing more automation so that employees have the flexibility to work on the other higher impact areas while also being more agile in when they you know may complete certain administrative tasks for example at a basic level we're accelerating changes to how some employees access information or submit data and you know that is preparing us for um, increased uh, in speed of people analytics and we know increased data drives um, speed to decisioning it's kind of we're connecting the aspects of data transparency and accountability and those three really work very well together another example is we explore more ways to bring work to talent as I discussed instead of just talent to work, we're also implementing uh, new solutions in our talent attraction and sourcing teams, use of AI in order to better and faster uh, understand uh, where the skills are. In fact, David, that's one of the core reasons that we've brought the work around contingent labor or contingent workforce into our HR and talent um, framework so that we can really think about this is how do we unpack jobs and traditional or older models of job descriptions with really beginning with what are the skills we need and how does data inform the skills we need? And then how do we go reach out to and employ what may be different, a lot of different types of labels, right? Not just the traditional full-time employee or contractor, but what are all those labels in the future of work that we'll need to you know, have a process around? Yeah, it's interesting. I like, like the way you brought that together because traditionally in, in many organisations, contingent labour has been managed by procurement and the business. A lot of contingent workers are actually stay with organisations for quite a long time, albeit in a different mode of working, shall we say. So, yeah, they've got skills that, that we need. And from an HR perspective, we've not had visibility on those skills before. So I think that certainly adds to the, the flexibility that, that, that you spoke about. And actually, I love the idea that, you know, you're unpacking jobs and, um, you know, you, you understanding the skills that you need to complete certain tasks. I mean, can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah. So if we think about balancing what is our workforce and the health of our current workforce with where do we need to have really, really focused pipelining to, to build out um, for the future? And so, you know, as we think about then, what are those ways that we can use that measurement and insight to go get laser focused and targeted? And even now, as we're increasing AI capabilities within our sourcing capabilities, that's helping us move with greater speed. It's about the skills um, and, you know, less about the 
you know, formal kind of archaic job descriptions, but, you know, let's really help understand what are those critical talent segments that feeds into or gets executed through a process that we call our people strategy, which really matches what does the business need? What, what is our current and future business strategies with now? What are the critical talent segments that we need to go and do? It's about greater segmentation and no longer a one-size-fit-all approach. Looking at finance talent versus marketing talent versus data scientists in all of the systems that enable that, right? From pay to how we brand and other aspects, learning. Yeah, it all flows together, doesn't it? You know, the skills we need. So how can we help? the talent we've got acquire some of those skills if they don't have them how do we understand the talent that can acquire those skills quicker and how do we let that talent know of the career opportunities that that will give them moving forward within Bayer and those who've got those skills already how can their career pathing within Bayer go so yeah it's incredible how data underpins pretty much all of that it helps it all move faster when it's working well that leads on quite nicely actually we talked you talked about data and insights being the connective tissue across the company and describe digital and culture as, as kind of wrappers around the company I thought that was really interesting actually and Again, I think that's something that I, I know our listeners would love to hear. So I don't know if you can expand upon that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Thank you. You know, unleashing for us a more inclusive and diverse workforce, we know is a competitive uh, differentiator. You know, all things being equal, culture is that differentiator. And we define inclusion as both behavioral and structural. So what are those inclusive ways of uh, working and connecting, gaining different insights that you don't normally do, being intentional to reach out to do that? So inclusion is twofold. Diversity, of course, is about the demographics um, and the mix. And so our strategy is about how do we focus on both and. Um, in order to even more achieve faster results of the diversity dimension. And so we're using data and, and insights in order to help drive that. We are um, moving down a model of having a, a dashboard that we call our inclusion and diversity dashboard. You know, I think a starting point um, and a lot of organizations are gaining maturity to start to use data and insights to measure diversity, but diversity alone. And for us, it doesn't begin or stop there. You know, it's inclusion, which gets at our customers, our reach in the, um, with communities and with our, um, you know, external marketplace as well. So it's really about for us a both and strategy. And obviously this year has really thrown the whole topic of inclusion and diversity into, into a new light with the social crisis that, that obviously you referred to in, in the introduction. What has been the response? I mean, as a senior HR leader in Bayer, how, how have you and personally and also how's the HR function supported some of your employees that are maybe being affected by this a little bit? I know from speaking to friends in the US, it's been a, in the US in particular, it's been a really challenging time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and this shows up for us around the, of the world, right? And so that's that focus on inclusion. It's every, it's that I and everybody's in it. And I think a great question. It begins with us, the structure. So if we think about inclusion and diversity for us, it's not just a team of 
one or a small team. It's not just about um, work that's done in the business of HR, but it really permeates throughout our entire organization. So how uh, we upskill and in-skill leaders around what does it mean to lead uh, and be an inclusive leader and match people first, listening to people. We talk about inclusion takes two key things, two key actions in order to achieve it. Anytime you're engaging, at least with one or other another person. And the first is um, understanding what's unique and what are the unique skills about that person. And then secondly, creating a sense of belonging so that we maximize what's unique about each individual. And so that takes listening that garners trust and facilitates greater trust. The structure for us, we believe that all leaders and all people have a responsibility. So thankfully, the work, even increased work this year um, that has been unleashed is not just sitting on one or a few people, but all leaders are equipped. And we have some formal ways around that. We have what we call leadership teams that create an IND or Inclusion and Diversity Council. Um, We have um, business resource groups, so employee-led and organized resource groups. In fact, three are global. Um, Our resource groups around people with disabilities, LGBTQ+, and women are global, and we have many others um, around the world. But the collective of this ecosystem that we've created really helps us listen, understand, take care of our people, um, match the words with actions. So whether that shows up with some of the philanthropic giving um, specific to this year's um, particular unleashing of events um, and just really, you know, kind of taking care of each other in both the formal and informal ways. But having a sound strategy already um, was yeah. very timely that it's helped us um, take care of again not, our, not only our workforce but our customers you know and um, our, our customers are in the business of uh, life science so um, you know that care and concern has just in a great way uh, been uplifted this year. I like the way that you put the I before the D I think um, I think because diversity we can measure our diversity in numbers but I'd be interested to understand how how you measure inclusion and and you talked about belonging as well, which I think is really taking this whole concept to a a much more advanced level. We measure inclusion or the I by a set of core questions that get at things such as trust or voice. Um, And we inspect and ask our employees uh, those questions you know, do you feel that you're able to bring your full self and your and give your voice to innovation or to ideas? Um, and and we so we measure that through a core set of questions. And the intention is therefore that we can be transparent with leaders on how are they showing up, and more importantly, how is our workforce feeling um, around that degree of sense of belonging and being able to give voice. Um, to the total of a team. 
So it's important to not just start and stop with the easy measures, uh, and they're always not so easy either, but in the D D category, diversity, such as gender or, um, you know, some of those obvious ones, but we don't start and stop there and also helps us prioritize because it's not a one size fit all at the scale of our company across so many countries and so many different divisions. So this will really help drive that targeted priorities. The dashboard is a key way of really in the moment accessing digital data tools that tell us how are we showing up in, in the space of inclusion. It's interesting that the two crises that we've talked about this year are essentially human crises. They're essentially people crises. You know, do you think this is really raising the focus on HR as a function? Because it's it's kind of HR's moment to shine as such. Interested to hear your thoughts as someone that's obviously been in the field for a long time. You know, this is certainly the year to be in HR, in the business of HR, as I often call it, the business of it, because it's really about um, connecting people and culture to driving the business value and business impact. So matching that people agenda with the business agenda has never been more critical for us in HR. And so, you know, one of the things that um, that we've done is uh, we've taken a, a group and we've called this next normal uh, and really it is cross-functional, not just HR, but we've looked at a few things that certainly as carriers of this work during the business in HR, we need to pay attention to and differently yeah. this year. One is that focus on a more holistic human experience, you know, so we're working differently. Um, You know, we need to pay attention to who's, you know, potentially being left behind. You know, this is an easy way of working for a lot of people. And so the second piece I think that has given rise to us, us in HR is that need to foster a shared sense of belonging, you know, the social distance, the all the aspects of well-being has just taken an impact. Um, so we need to pay attention to, to that. Um, and I think the, a, another key piece here for us working in, in, as HR leaders this year is really about empowering others faster and more local decision making. On top of it, you have at any given time different countries going through different environmental things or presidential elections such as for us in in the U.S. So we need to really balance that paying attention to being a mindful global corporate citizen with also what's unique at the local level. Yeah, and I guess that's the the nature of this crisis. It's a crisis at different times in different countries and certainly in the early part of the year, but even now where the figures are rising quite significantly in Europe again. If we talked a little bit about analytics, you know, is there a specific um, project or initiative that you could tell us about uh, by using people analytics or, or people data to, to either help drive an outcome for the business or for the workforce or for both? Yeah, you know, one of the things is we are evolving and using uh, AI into learning and we really kind of took a step back to reimagine and transform uh, learning with the principles of let's use data and insights to the skills we know we need to reskill 
or continuously skill with also let's use AI insights with creating a program that enables us to see what our employees going out there and seeking to learn so that we can be more customized and tailored. And then let's make sure that it's driving forward a culture of learning, one that's uh, accessible to everyone and not just the kind of traditional formal learning programs that you nominate a core few people to attend um, and that takes, you know, six or 12 months. So how do we use uh, those AI insights in our new learning direction to then uh, push forward a culture of learning and make sure that it's fluid and flexible and in the moment, in the speed of what of, of how we need to reskill. So we will be launching that um, very soon. Um, and again, we've taken the, the opportunity to really step back and transform and use the data and insights to drive uh, our learning culture. Important, as you said, and digital transformation is accelerating even further in 2020. That learning piece is, is so important and provides significant benefit both to the workforce, but also to the business as well. Leads on nicely to the question we're asking all our guests on the show in this series, Melissa. And it's very much connected a little bit to the crisis and the kind of change in the ways of working and probably the uncertainty around ways of working moving forward. What can HR leaders do to help prepare their organisations for the future where we're likely to see an increase? We've already seen it in the crisis, but a permanent increase in, in remote and hybrid working. I think there's a few key things in addition to some of the other things I've described, like empowering people faster, um, making use of the digital tools to help in, in embed that speed. But, you know, one thing I would say is for, for HR and this new way of working that we can do is really think about simplicity um, differently and be more intentional around removing the complexity in so many of our HR processes that can sometimes make the business of people and the business of HR just hard or harder um, for our customers, whether that's internal or external. So a, a more, much more intentional way of focusing on the simplicity. And the other is just that carrier of culture, and that's everyone's responsibility um, across the company, of course, not just HR, but I do think that the, the matching of people and culture to the business puts HR in a certain differentiated responsibility to the culture that we want to be. And I think all things being equal across all of our organizations, no matter what industry we're in, that differentiator for the winning ones um, will be that of culture. And then I think the final piece is, um, you know, striving to be and helping the business to be a digital industry first. So no matter what our core industry is, we all need to figure out how to be better at getting this digital piece, both in our reach in the market to customers, but also in how we engage within our own um, organizations. And I guess with the, the, the working environments we've got, obviously you'll have certain employees where they, they kind of have to be on site because of the nature of the work they do. You'll have other members of your workforce where... Maybe it's more hybrid and, and some of the tasks that they can do, they can do just as well as at home versus being in the office when maybe people need to be together for the more innovative and creative stuff. 
And there's so many things to balance. There's employee preference, and employee preference will change even by those in the same team. I mean, we're thinking beyond the crisis now. And then there's other factors to consider, as I said, around the types of work that can be done maybe more productively on an individual basis remotely versus the types of work that probably need to be done together. And you know, it's a it's a maze which hopefully HR will help their organisations uh, navigate their way through. I mean, is that something that you're starting to look at at Bayer or thinking about having to look at at some point? Yes, we've actually already started. We made a declaration that, you know, we will not go back to um, the old ways of working and what was that traditional way. And it will be a hybrid. And we have great uh, employees that are in certain locations that certainly have to be and need to be and very valued. And um, we've declared that flexibility is not just about those that are in roles where you can work um, remote or work from anywhere, but flexibility is and should be accessible for everyone. What does that mean in the context of what work is being done? Um, so that's a, another declaration. And so we, the work we've started to really organize formally, um, what you've described is, is a team that came together under a sprint exercise that we call Next Normal. And that work is continuing because we're all still learning, but we're looking um, at sub chapters, if you will, of that body of work that's looking at everything from well-being and wellness and how does that need to evolve in, in this way of working to um, cross-border, um, as we've talked about, not just bringing a balance of work to talent, not just talent to work always, on through sustainability and what does that mean for uh, transportation or um, internal meetings. So, and technology that will support all these varied ways of working. The preference piece comes with what we call flexibility. And that means let's really listen differently and learn from what does that mean based on what the work is needed to get done. And as you quite rightly highlighted, the culture is so important to that because culture, I guess, is almost going to evolve. You know, you're part of the next normal that focus on well-being really important. And I love the way that, you know, flexibility is for everyone, not just for those that can work remotely. It's really good. Melissa, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm really, you know, it's really impressive to hear some of the work that, that you and the team are doing at Fire. Really, really impressive. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you and, and follow you on social media? Thank you. And thank you, David, again, for having me here today. Uh, I'd be happy to continue the conversation on LinkedIn, where I do and have been sharing some of my own reflections on the evolution of HR, but also this way of working. And also on um, on Twitter at um, M-E-L-Y-H-A-R-P-E-R at Mel Y Harper on Twitter. Thank you very much. Thank you. As I said, it's been great to talk to you. And um, yeah, I will definitely be tuning into LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the MyHR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. 
You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the MyHR Future website. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week, where we'll be speaking to Daniel West, CEO and founder at Panelit, where we'll be talking people analytics, organizational network analysis, and the democratization of data. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.